You are listening to the Mercy View podcast. Mercy View exists to be a gospel-centered family of missional disciples to the glory of God and for the city's good. For more information about Mercy View, please visit our website at mercyview.com. Now, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. We'll be in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. We'll jump down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send In my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ryan. Good evening. Good to see you. Welcome to Mercy View. If you're visiting with us tonight, my name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you've joined us tonight. Uh, Man, this is a full house. I I love seeing this uh, uh, in the new year. I I hope that uh, um, more and more of you will feel comfortable to come and hang out and worship with us on Sunday evenings. It's such a blessing to be able to see uh, each of you. Hey, I want to give you a really quick update uh, on Jim and Laura. Uh, Last uh, Sunday night, you know that we had a special time uh, together of commissioning them for Uh, global mission work. Uh, They headed to the UK this week with a a new partner church of ours, Oldham Bethel Church in Oldham, uh, just outside of Manchester. And uh, uh, you'll be happy to know that they've arrived there safely and are starting to try to make their way uh, in a new context. And uh, um, they uh, made it from Dallas to London in about eight hours because they had some really great tailwind, uh, Jim said. And they're right now in a two-week uh, isolation period. Uh, they narrowly avoided a post uh, quor- or a quarantine in a hotel uh, scenario that they uh, were thinking they were going to have to do. Uh, but now they're... Um, they're uh, able to just sort of isolate in a comfortable place. And then after these two weeks are over, um, they are going to begin to be looking for a permanent home. So you can be praying for them in that respect. They are um, going to need to find a place. Um, and the lockdown in the UK right now is likely uh, going to continue. They're, I think, at the highest level of a lockdown right now through Easter. And so it's a really interesting, difficult, challenging, but sovereignly appointed time for the Campbells to be in Oldham. Uh, They uh, uh, recognize this. The church there recognizes this. They trust the sovereignty of God, and they also recognize, too, Lord willing, this is temporary. So be praying for them as they settle into Oldham. We'll keep you guys uh, in the loop on uh, any particular prayer needs that they may have in the days and and months uh, to come. About 15 years ago, uh, I worked for the prosecuting attorney of Morgan County, Missouri. Uh, This was uh, post-Nashville for us. We were uh, beginning to ease into vocational ministry, and um, I was actually in between jobs and got this job. This is the county, uh, actually the city that my wife grew up in in central Missouri. 
And I really didn't know what I was in for. I, I just uh, applied for the job, got the job, and began to work for Marvin Opie, who was the prosecuting attorney at the time. And uh, it, was, uh, it was quite an eye-opening experience. There's a lot to, I could tell you about here, but uh, the, probably the, one of the most interesting things that, that I experienced in my time in this, uh, in this job was uh, the defense attorneys. I mean, the whole, like, Lawyer attorney world was fascinating to me, and I had never been uh, so connected to it as I was uh, in this particular role. But of all the attorneys in particular, I was fascinated with the defense attorneys. And look, uh, if you are connected to that world at all, I know we have some folks here at Mercy View that are, and um, maybe you've had to have a defense attorney. I hope you had a good one, uh, because I, I experienced kind of the full spectrum uh, in, in Morgan County. There were some really uh, not great defense attorneys. Um, there were some really nasty defense attorneys. But then there were some really good defense attorneys. And those were the ones in particular that I, I noticed, I took notice too. They really stood out to me. They seemed to genuinely care for their clients. They seemed to want to really advocate for their good. They didn't seem to be in it for their own, uh, you know, uh, like for people to think they were great, they, they were really in it for it looked like the right reasons. Um, they were really, they seemed like they really wanted to help people who were in desperate need. And there were, I mean, everybody that was at the courthouse were, I mean, they were in desperate need of help and of advocacy. I remember just thinking how often, and I would hear uh, people say this, how often they would say, I, I need your help, right? And if someone didn't have help, the judge would say, we, we need to get you some help, you know, a public defender or someone to advocate for you. Just thought, how vulnerable is it for someone to say, I need help, and then to place all your hope and your trust on a person, a defense attorney, to advocate for you? How vulnerable is that? You know, for most of us, we uh, have a hard time asking for help. And some of us not only have a hard time asking for help, we have a hard time receiving help from other people. Why? Well, we are pretty self-sufficient people. We're Westerners, right? We're independent. We can get on, on our own. We can get what we need on our own. We earn stuff, right? But sometimes that really gets in the way of, of moments in our lives where we are actually really needy. I wonder what it would look like if we really admitted that in most of our life, we are in desperate need of advocacy. <laughs> we are in need of help. We need someone to defend us. We need someone to, uh, to, to build us up. We need someone to come alongside us and, and shore us up in life. What would it look like for us to admit honestly that we are actually powerless and in need of a helper? We are in the midst of a multi-week series on the Holy Spirit called Third Person, the Present Power of the Holy Spirit. And we are taking these weeks to really look at the, the idea of the Holy Spirit in the Bible as a whole. We are looking at who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, not only in our lives as Christians, but in the life of the church. Some have called the Holy Spirit, the forgotten God, because we have neglected the Holy Spirit in our own lives and in the church, and we want to do what we can as a church to correct that. 
And so we are taking some time to move through this series and get our heads and our hearts wrapped around who is the Holy Spirit and what is He up to in our lives and in the life of the church. We want to encourage you in this series to think about your own life and your own heart, what the Spirit wants to do in your own soul And then how he wants to take those things collectively in the life of our church and and bless our church in that way. We're in a, really this is a a journey together, a time of discovery for us to see what the Spirit uh, may be up to. Tonight we want to continue this theme that we've been on over the last few weeks and talking about the way in which the Spirit not only works in our salvation but in our sanctification uh, the way in which we grow in Christ over a lifetime. In fact, really from this point forward, almost all of these sermons are going to be centered around that idea. What is the Spirit up to in the life of a believer now, and what is the Spirit up to in the life of the church now? And we want to continue that theme tonight. Really, I just want to uh, talk about one big idea with you tonight, and it's this. The Spirit is a truthful advocate in accusation and temptation. Would you say that again? The Holy Spirit is a truthful advocate in accusation and temptation. If you have your Bibles, keep them open there to John chapter 14. And uh, we're going to be looking at the verses that Ryan read for us tonight. And, and as you look back there, I, I want you to notice what Jesus says in our verses tonight. Look first there at verse 15. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. And then he goes on to call the Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And then in verse 26, if you jump down there, you'll notice a very kind of similar theme. Jesus essentially says the same thing again. He's trying to really uh, press this into us. He says, uh, the Spirit is a helper. And then at the end of verse 26, he says this. He says, he will teach you, the Spirit, all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, in the verses in the ESV, which is the translation that we primarily use here at Mercy View, um, you find that word helper a couple of times, right, in both of those passages. But if you are familiar with other translations, in fact, if you go to five or six other translations, you're going to see that word helper translated into other words. You're going to see words like um, uh, counselor or comforter or advocate. Uh, The Amplified Bible even says intercessor. Now, something that you need to know, this is just a little trick of the trade. If you ever notice that, if you're like online and you you do sort of like the parallel Bible thing and you have different translations lined up and you notice there are different words for something like helper, what that means is that commentators or the translators had a really difficult time deciding on the word for that. And typically what that means is that the word itself is actually deeper and more complex than one word can even sort of capture. So for the the sake of of discussion tonight, um, we need to choose one of those. And the best way, I think, for us to do that is actually to go back to the original languages and see um, what does the, the word helper in the original languages actually look like. So if you go back and you, you look at that, the word that you're going to see is a word called paraclete. And if you break down that, that word into sort of two syllables, para, 
which you may be familiar with. You think of a paraprofessional or a paralegal. Um, para means someone who comes alongside you, beside you. They're not in front of you. They're not behind you. They are beside you. And the, the, the syllable cleat or, or kaleo is where that comes from, uh, means to declare or to call or to argue. So really the best way I think for us to translate that word helper there is to say uh, this. Jesus is saying, I am going to send you an advocate, right? What is an advocate? An advocate is someone that comes beside you to, uh, to defend you or, or to, to help you, right? And all those other words come into play here to counsel you, right, to comfort you. In a lot, of words, a lot of ways, that word advocate really, I think, helps get across this idea that this is a person who is making a case for you. Here's what that means. The Spirit's job is to help you and to defend you against the enemies in your own heart. And what the Spirit intends to do in those moments is to help you recollect, to remember what God has already said about his relationship with you. Right, Romans 8.15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received what? The spirit of adoption as sons. So if the spirit is an advocate, for you, someone who comes beside you to remind you of, of, of what God uh, has said about you, it means this. When your heart is filled with fear, when your heart is filled with doubts, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the Spirit has been sent to essentially argue with your fears, to argue uh, against your doubts and say, no, no, no. This is the Spirit talking. God loves you. You are his child. God is your forever father. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are not a spiritual orphan any longer. Do you, you see what, what the Spirit's role is in that? Right? The Spirit's role is to make a case to your own heart, which is doubting these truths, that no, God loves you. Romans 8, 15, you've been received into adoption as sons, and the Spirit is the one who is to remind you of that. There's this beautiful spot in uh, Hebrews 12 where uh, we, we see this description of the reality of, of the suffering and the troubles that come into the life of a believer. If you and I, are Christ, those of you that are Christians here tonight, uh, uh, if you haven't experienced suffering uh, in your life, it's coming. The reality is for us, for all of us, just humanity, is that we live in a broken world, a Genesis 3 world. Suffering is all around us and even in us. Some of you are suffering right now, deeply. And there's a spot in, in Hebrews 12 that starts to talk about that idea. and says that when suffering, when troubles come crashing into us, it says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. Now, the writer of Hebrews here is saying that when you feel like you've been abandoned 
when you're in the midst of suffering, when you're in the midst of difficulty, the job of the Spirit is to argue with your flesh, to, to reteach you the truth of what you actually know is true. So how does that, that work? The writer of Hebrews asks this as a question. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, as daughters, as children? In other words, the Spirit, the role of the Spirit is to come alongside you in that moment and argue with your heart, just like it says here in Hebrews 12, with your spiritual orphan tendencies, and to say, no, you're his child. He has not abandoned you. Good fathers put their children often through discipline to grow them. But that discipline is not an indicator of a lack of love. It is actually an indicator of love that this is happening to you right now. Now, it's not just that the Spirit defends us uh, against accusation, right? Those, those two examples that we just looked at have to deal with the way in which our own hearts our, you know, we, 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 uh, we accept the accusations that we, we lobby against ourselves, but also the accusations that come from the enemy. But the, the role of the Spirit as a helpful advocate is also meant to help us in temptation as well. In James 4, there's this spot where James says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And then it says this, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scriptures say He, God, yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us. I love this. Here's what this is saying. Don't you realize that when you start to let the world take you away from God, the Spirit within you is actually jealous for your love? See, the Spirit sees us many times giving away our first love to things like money, or to job security, or, or job promotion, or, or a relationship, instead of to God. And knowing this, the Spirit knows, like, that's going to destroy you. That's going to uh, put you in a place of, of real difficulty, a lack of peace, a, a lack of freedom. And so the Spirit, as a helpful advocate, as a loving friend, comes alongside us just like someone would if, if, if someone knew that you were destroying your life in some way. The Spirit comes alongside and says, I'm not going to let you do this. I love you too much. This is going to destroy you. Listen to me. Let me help you. Friends, that's it's called conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to experience that more and more, your heart is tender to the things of the Spirit, I want to encourage you to not confuse conviction with condemnation. Conviction of the Spirit is a gift from God, meant to wake us up from the apathy that we might have towards a certain sin of, uh, in our life. That it, conviction is from God. Condemnation is from the enemy or from ourselves. What we're talking about here, when the Spirit comes alongside us, says, look, I need to let you know, this is really messing you up. Ultimately, this is going to destroy you, friends. We should accept that with grace, and we should receive that as conviction from the Holy Spirit and repent. What a gift that is, right, to us as believers. Sometimes the Spirit needs to speak truth in love to us to shock us out of our spiritual apathy over sin and temptation. 
I love how uh, J.I. Packer, the theologian, author, says it in his little book, Concise Theology. He actually, when we think about temptation, he describes the Spirit as a floodlight. Packer says that when you are walking in the dark and you have lost the path and you can't see, right? You're, you're walking in the dark because you're walking in sin. You need a floodlight. And when the floodlight shines, you see everything else that it shines on, right? The Spirit is the great floodlight. When you're walking in the dark, it turns on and says this to us. Don't you remember that you're a child of God? The Spirit is the great floodlight, but here's the thing about a floodlight. You, you don't turn around and look at it, right? Because if you did, you wouldn't be able to see anything. You, you, it's behind you, lighting the way in front of you. That's what the Holy Spirit intends to do in temptation, to show you and remind you, walk into the light. Remember that you're a child of God. So if you think about it, really the Spirit as an advocate in your life is like a lawyer. But it's, it's like a lawyer that has two roles, right? A lawyer um, really in, in, in real life has two basic roles, right? One, when you're in the courtroom, the lawyer talks to the judge for you, like for you, in your place. Uh, the lawyer's an advocate for you to the judge. And when you've got a good lawyer and the lawyer speaks good words, it makes you look good, right? Puts you in a good light. But second, a lawyer then turns and talks to you and says, hey, you need to say this or you need to not say that or you need to be careful about this or to, don't do that. See, the advocate then, the lawyer turns towards the judge, but then he also turn, turns back to you. He's got two roles. The, this is a picture of what the Spirit intends to do in our lives. In the Spirit, you have two different kinds of advocates. The Spirit is an advocate who comes beside you and is for you in times of accusation, but the Spirit is also someone who comes against you, but for you in times of temptation. Remember that against you is not a negative, it's a, it's a loving um, pursuit of you in conviction. And friends, that is the wonder of having the Spirit in your life. And it's the big thing that I want to invite you to see this evening. Let me just say it again. The Spirit is a truthful advocate in accusation and temptation. So here's the question for us. How can you know that you're receiving the benefits of the Spirit in that way? How do you know that? How can you experience the, the helpful advocacy of the Spirit in your life in times of accusation and temptation? Well, I think we see a couple of answers in our text tonight. Here's the first thing. The key to the power of the helpful advocacy of the Spirit working and operating in your life is understanding that there is a first advocate. Right, did you notice what Jesus said? He said, I'm gonna send you another helper. That word another is key. Jesus is saying that the Spirit is a second helper. In other words, Jesus was the first advocate, right? Um, 
1 John 2, 1 says it this way, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. See, when the Bible says, uh, the, when the Bible says that we sin, it says here we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate in Jesus, and here's what the Bible is assuming when we say that. First, it assumes there is a bar of justice. There is a cosmic court which you and I are all accused of our sin in of. We're condemned. We don't like to admit it, but we all know deep down inside that we are bankrupt spiritually. Everybody knows this. Whether they want to admit it or not, they are a moral failure. and It may sleep very deeply inside of you for a very long time, but it's there. We know that we don't measure up. But second, this passage assumes Jesus is the one that stands before that court of justice representing you, interceding for you, advocating for you, making his case for you. In Hebrews 7, it says that Jesus lives to make intercession for us. Like That's what he's doing even right now on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. That means if you are a Christian here tonight, Jesus is presently in the courtroom of heaven, and he's not pleading for mercy on your behalf. That's already been secured. He's making a case before God based on the justice of God. Let me tell you what I mean by that. It says if Jesus is saying, Father, you are just, and your sin demands a payment, and yes, it is true, my brother and my sister have sinned. They have failed. They have not loved you with all of their heart and mind and soul and strength. They have not loved their neighbor as themselves. As themselves. Yes, their sin must be paid for. So Father, if you need a payment and you do need a payment, let me give you a payment. Here it is, it's me. Look at my broken body. Look at my poured out blood. I have paid for this. I have already paid for this. I'm not just pleading for mercy. I'm reminding you of acquittal. You have already acquitted my brother and sister of their sin because of of me. Now, this gets into a little bit, does God need to be reminded of those kinds of things? No, this is a word picture of what happens in the sort of cosmic courtroom. See, all other religions sort of see salvation as the blind lady with the scales. You guys know that picture, right, or that image? Justice on one side of the scale and works or, 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 or you know, good works on the other. And most people in the world think, man, if I can just um, get enough stuff on the good works side of my scale, maybe, just maybe, God will allow me to, to come into heaven one day. Listen, when you believe in Jesus as your Savior, as your Redeemer, He becomes your first advocate. And it means that the justice of God is on your side. It it would be unjust for God to take two payments for the same sins. Your sins have already been paid for. The very justice of God, the omnipotent, infallible, infinite justice of God demands that there is now no condemnation for you. Now, don't miss this. 
If you have an advocate up there doing that for you, what is the Spirit doing down here for you? Listen, Jesus is our advocate in heaven, but the Spirit is your advocate here on earth. You have the Spirit dwelling within you. You have that helpful advocate living inside of you. This is amazing. What the Spirit is doing in your life, if you're a Christian, is taking the advocacy that is in heaven and applying it here on earth against the enemies of your own heart and the enemies, the Satan, demons, others that are coming against you, those as well. He's dealing with your accusations here on earth. He's dealing with your temptations. He's dealing with your pride. He's dealing with your fears. He's dealing with all of the enemies of your heart. And he's saying, look at what Jesus has done. Don't forget what Jesus has done. This is the truth I want you to find comfort in. Friends, see, the Spirit is not an advocate who points to himself. This is so important when we talk about the Spirit. Listen, The Spirit is an advocate who is pointing to Jesus. The Spirit's job is to always point you to Jesus. One of the things that blows me away about the triune God, Father and and Son and Spirit, is the utter selflessness in it. The utter selflessness that exists within. There's something deep in the heart of of God that is others-oriented, other-oriented. There's something in God that says, my life for yours. There's something in God that says, I'm here to serve you. You see it within the eternal community of the Trinity itself, but you see it in the way that, that the, the triune God in, interacts with us. This is, by the way, how this works itself out in our life. The only motivation that you and I have to be others-oriented is to see how the triune God has done that in our own life, right? We see God giving up his only son, Jesus, for us. We see Jesus living the life that we should have lived, dying the death that we should have died so that we could be forgiven. We see the, the Spirit showing us the glory of the advocacy of Jesus on our behalf. It's amazing. Let me close here this evening. Friend, You need an advocate. The good news of the gospel is that you have one in heaven, but you also have one on earth. You have everything that you need to battle against accusations, to battle against temptations of the heart. Jesus has sent another counselor, another comforter, another advocate, another intercessor into our lives so that in this life we might find rest and peace and freedom. And as we said last week, we want to be filled with that spirit over and over and over. And my prayer is that he would help us do this as a church, to truly be a spirit-filled church, allowing the spirit of truth to counsel our hearts with his mercy and his grace, that it would change us as a people. And that the watching world would, would take notice and say, I want in on that. That's my prayer for us as Christians, but that's my prayer for us as a church as well. 
The good news of the gospel for us is this. We have everything we need to battle accusation and temptation because we have two advocates. We have Jesus, our advocate in in heaven, and the Spirit, our advocate here in our own hearts, dwelling within us on earth. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Amen. Let's pray.